0: Hello and welcome back to Garrett Girls. I'm Bella. And I'm Al. And today we we are joined by two very special guests, Beth and Tolly. And we talk about social media, body positivity and all things beauty standards.
1: Yeah, so they have an Instagram account called Step Out of Lime where they talk about feminism and social justice and that's why I really wanted to get them on the podcast. I've known them for a couple of years now and I love them with all of my heart. They're two (laughs) incredible inspirational women and because they do so much social activism on social media, I thought they'd be really, really good to get on the pod. So I really hope you enjoy this um, episode. So, here are our guests. Hey, girls. Hi, guys. Hi. It's so nice to
2: be here. Oh, it's so <laughs> nice to have you on here. It's, it's such to an honor. So
3: lovely to be here. <laughs> How have your weeks been? They've been okay, honestly, you know, COVID filled, but hopefully mm. we're back to school soon, so that's good. I'm so excited. Yeah. Mm, definitely. I'm yeah.
0: so, so excited. I can't wait yeah. to get back.
2: Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to going back, even though I've got exams in like a week. I'm looking forward to seeing my friends, so that's good. That's
1: good.
0: Yeah. I'm so sick of being I know, home. I'm so excited <laughs> to be back. I literally can't wait.
1: So yeah. let's mm-hmm. just dive into the convo So I know you guys have an account called Step Out of Line on Instagram, which everybody listening has to go yes, follow immediately. Did. Stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. to Instagram and follow yes. them right now. Um so obviously like, you obviously like quite a large following, you're kind of like a bit of a celebrity.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, so well.
1: <laughs> so um you obviously <laughs> have you have like a like an in, a certain influence on some people and you're using that to promote a cause that you believe in do you think that um like what part kind of part do you think social media plays in activism how did you start the account just like give us a bit of background info mm-hmm. best you
3: want
2: to go first don't go to i don't mind oh, I okay toilet? um i remember we started the account it was one night I remember I was having a conversation with my dad and I was talking about, I was like having a raging feminist conversation.
0: And (laughs) me
2: and Talani were like talking and we were like, (laughs) (laughs) we were like, you know what, like, we really wanna do something about all of this stuff. We really wanna be able to share like and make people more aware. So that's where Step Out of Line was born, I Mm -hmm. guess. But we didn't have a name for it at that point. The, The name came from a speech. Tully, do you remember what speech it was?
3: Yeah, um, I can't remember it, the exact author of the speech. I'll have to look it up. But the main premise was like, um, you know, a lot of women find it hard to speak up and be the person to incite the change, which is why you guys are so incredible because it's, it's such a big deal to make a <laughs> podcast and talk about your views and step out there. But, um, we, were really we are stubborn. stepping out of line yes like if not now (laughs) if not now like then when you know you have to start somewhere so Mm. even with like one follower we were like do you know what let's just give it a go and here we are now so it's really cool oh yeah you guys are so inspirational yeah um do you think
1: like um that do you think that social media has brought like a new premise to activism and do you think it's
2: Mm-hmm. yeah a hundred percent. I think it's one of the biggest parts of activism now. I was reading a book a while ago by this um, this person called Gina Martin. You might have heard of her. She was quite um, well known for changing laws about like she I think she was at a festival and someone took a photo up her skirt and it actually wasn't against the law at that oh, point. Yeah, she's and yeah so i was reading her book yeah. and she said when she was changing like the law about all of that kind of stuff when she was protesting about all of it social media was one of the biggest parts of her activism and i think like a lot of people mm-hmm. a lot of young people have a lot of influence like they take a lot of influence from like um social media and stuff so i think it's really important in activism today yeah
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely and i'm um, sort of talking about the conversation of social media and I completely agree with you I think it's like one of the most if not the most important um platform for people to raise awareness about important issues but I think that whilst um it's it's a great place to promote um important topics how do you have you ever like dealt with I don't know you're in your experiences of having your social media account but like things like performative activism and um what are your guys's views on sort of how that plays out and if it's obviously it is toxic but sort of Mm -hmm. um maybe tolly if you want to answer this one um sort of your views on it and the ways that you've like seen it and and it's come up around you
3: no definitely um i'd say bella that um social media is a really hard one because so many people have access to it with so many different views and so many people are Mm -hmm. not yet educated and a lot of times their education can come from sources that are not reliable, that are found all over Instagram, all over TikTok, all over the internet. So it's really hard these days. I mean, I've definitely seen posts um, with certain statistics and then I've researched them and they haven't been true. And I've been really confused. And I know that young impressionable people, or even older impressionable people, I mean, we all are Mm. still young, so we are quite impressionable, can be swayed by these stats stats and statistics and figures. I mean, for mm. example, if you think about, like, the US election and all the TikToks that were going on during that yeah. and everything that was coming up, you know, it's so much information, it's almost impossible to check if all of it's true at once. Um, For example, you know, the the recent thing with the um feminist uh, Instagram accounts which were found to actually have men running them and the the mm. performative activism as such as you were talking about, I think it's really hard to know, you know is this true? Is this right? Should I follow this account? So I think we all have to try and regulate it as best we can, especially with people like you guys with these amazing podcasts, you know, you're able to talk (laughs) us through things and give us, you know, both sides of the point point of view. Like, it's really real.
1: Just to clarify, the men weren't, like, feminist icon men. They were trying to profit. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of trying, they kind of saw Mm. an opportunity to make money and try to monetize off like a social justice movement
0: yeah and just to say like what tolly was saying about podcasts and what we're doing i think that sometimes like especially i mean i know that there's like quite the famous instagram account called feminist now i don't know is that run by men was that one of the ones that was exposed or not necessarily yeah i think so beth said it was beth said it was oh wow okay yeah so like i feel like sometimes whilst it does share um stories about like people and like real human experiences sometimes i find the instagram And less so TikTok because Instagram is more like pictures and stuff. Um, but it can be sort of detached and impersonal, and it tends to be like sort of sappy quotes and um things taken from places. Um, and I feel like things like podcasts and videos and sometimes even TikToks, they're more personal. There's more of a human interaction, and it's like coming from people's experiences. And I feel like sometimes if you're a man or you know you're a white person or you're a skinny person or you're an able person or you're a straight person I think that just seeing and coming across like quotes and statistics can sort of um, detach you from the real sort of people behind the um, the forms of oppression so I think it's really important to have conversations with family members listen to podcasts watch videos educate yourself in like um, through videos and like human interaction because I think that it reminds you like it's a it's individuals as well it's not just like collective I don't know paragraphs and quotes yeah totally
1: <laughs> I feel like with the um around like the time of the Black Lives Matter protests kind of started peaking um like you'd see infographs and like that you know there's like graphs of like crime mm. rates and stuff and like I just saw those and you know scroll past I don't know if it's just me I don't like reading graphs and like they just don't have any I don't have any connection to them but as soon as you see like a video or like a really distressing picture, like, of course, you're going to have an emotional connection to that. And I feel like that sparks more of a passion in people than just seeing some random yeah. statistic about. I mean, it's not that that statistic isn't important, but I feel like that's why um, mm. platforms like Instagram have like a big, big impact on um, activism. Because people can, can like actually see it and it's like run it's coming from the people that have experienced that kind of oppression.
3: Yeah, I was Mm. I was gonna say, Eleanor, one thing that um I researched and I've had conversation before is the statistics are so incredibly unreliable Mm. because they're so Mm. easy to make and to manipulate Mm. and as such like as where they're found or where they're taken from. Because you could do a sample of two feminist women and five hundred feminist women that um that women that are not feminist. And then you could say, okay, we've interviewed 5,500 women on why they support feminism. And obviously, most of them are going to say, I don't support feminism. Mm. And then everyone's going to think, oh, yeah, you know, women don't support feminism, this and this and this. But then you look at where it was taken from, who was involved, and you realise, wow, actually, that wasn't the case. I think it's really hard because, as you said, you can scroll through, you can just click, like, not even have a proper look at it and just trust that source Mm. with your whole with your whole heart and I'm it was kind of sad about the feminist account because of course like I follow it I'm a proud feminist I follow it and I'm and I definitely would look at their posts and I'd repost some of them and think yeah I agree with this but Mm -hmm. then to have um it come out that this isn't someone who genuinely believes in the cause that they're supporting and we don't know where they're getting what they're right they're like where they're getting their sources from and I think Beth you were saying that like something about the like checking who posted the tags did you say like yeah i did that posts. today
2: yeah a lot of the time yeah on feminist accounts that have are like run by men who are trying to profit off of it um a lot of the time they will actually say at the bottom like this post came from blah 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 or like "Was we reposted it from this person so um <clears throat> a lot of the time it's it's a good idea to go onto that account and show that account support and repost that photo as opposed to the one from um the feminist account mm. because it's that's more like you know deep deeper root feminism I think
0: yeah I think like sort of on the topic of influences and social media I think that it's important to obviously address like um social media standards because I think with the whole age of social media we've all grown up as um th- in a very in a lens that's very much focused around social media and most of how we've grown up has been surrounding it and I think that it's set a whole new sort of amalgamation of beauty standards that women just have to live up to now um so I think that well I don't know I over quarantine especially I think things like fitness routines and Elle was talking about like dieting and um like times and periods where you need to glow up and I think that I think glowing up, the the concept of it, whilst it can be fun and like entertaining to watch, I will admit, um, has toxic behavior associated with it and um, is is not is not healthy. So I think we see a lot of we've seen like multiple celebrities grow up through their childhood, especially celebrities like Miley Cyrus, like um, Kylie and Kendall Jenner, who we've seen as children and then become adults, um and and have quote unquote glowing up and especially the beauty standards that they uphold and that they have as well um so we what how do you guys feel about like glowing up and i'm, I'm trying to unpick it and sort of think yeah, about how definitely. i feel about it as well but sort of what are your opinions at it
3: um i did a little bit of research and i was um on mm. this and i was thinking that and I, I came across this quote which i thought was really cool i wanted to share it with you guys mm. it said a culture <laughs> fixated on female thinness is not is not an obsession about female beauty but an obsession about female obedience. So Dieting is the most mm. potent political sedative in women's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one. Mm. And I think that it's mm. it's so true and eye-opening because one thing that they said in this article was how early were you gifted um how early were you gifted a a Barbie? How early were you given, you know, the ideal yeah. of female beauty now as mm. uh, we're coming into 2020 and we're getting more you know we're opening our this, we have more dolls and toys children and toys children sorry children's toys <laughs> children's toys that are you know different colors and different sizes but i remember when i was a child i was given a barbie a thin um un- unhealthily thin toy and i was told you know this is the, this is the ideal. Mm. And they said that, Mm. like, the socialisation of diet and diet culture and the female body happens at a really, really young age where women are told to please using their bodies. Even as a child, Mm. I'm sure, like, when you were in primary school, wearing a summer dress as opposed to covering up or... You know, one big thing for me was my mum would always want me to wear shorts under my summer dress. And I was all, I would get mad at her. I'd be like, you know, I don't need to do that. The, the girls who are the prettiest mm-hmm. don't, they're not modest. They don't cover up. they this is not what I've seen, as you were saying, with the Kendall Jenners of society. And I think that this, this like kind of um, obsession with our bodies is even followed sometimes with our parents, with our mothers who are very concerned for us when we go into the world to be a certain size not because they think that that's the best for us but because they want us to be safe and liked and viewed well by society and Mm -hmm. that was something I definitely struggled with earlier was you know um I want to look like these girls I want to be liked by my friends I want to fit in I don't want to you know look different so yeah I definitely agree with you I think that it's really it's it's one of the saddest things and things that's just kind of ignored and pushed in the corner i
1: mean what do you guys think i totally agree mm. i mean i I was talking to you about the book the beauty myth by naomi wolf and she does a she has a whole chapter mm. called hunger and it's on like female thinness and basically her what she says is that after like women started to become more liberated um this kind of like thin ideal came in i mean i'm reading a book at the moment called I mean, I feel like I talk about this all the time. "Fearing the Black Body" by *Supremes*. <laughs> I feel so intelligent reading that book. It's so like, I, uh, I'm like, well, <laughs> as I'm you so- just flaunt I- it as much as possible. <laughs> as you should. But, um, so no, that does talk about how like, um, fat phobia like originated in the transatlantic slave trade. But I feel like it had a resurgence definitely around the '60s. Um, so like, with there was like a definitely like a push to be thin. Um, before that but I think it came onto a whole new level, like a completely unrealistic level around the 60s with um, Twiggy and then we had the 70s, the 80s that came like a huge rise of plastic surgery. Um, I think that's when we start to see a real shift and towards like a complete obsession with the female body. And Naomi Wolf writes that that's because, like, it was a pushback from the second wave feminism. And as women started to become more liberated in the workplace, within the Western world, um, beauty standards came in to, like, basically push us back down again. Because um, in in the chapter Hunger, she says that, like, being in a low-calorie diet, which is, you know, oh my God, this is what shocked me. Um, wet, uh, the Beverly Hills diet puts you on fewer calories than people were eating during the Dutch famine when they were literally starving like maybe yeah like it's but it's, it's oh like a, there's God. a range it's like between 1400 and 1600 calories or something and yeah it's it's crazy but um low calorie diets have been proven to make you less you know you're uh, what was it they' saying it makes you more more submissive and le- less likely to speak up because you're not thinking about um political issues you're just thinking about you become completely obsessed with food and i definitely think that there's there's a link there to talk about i think that's something that definitely Mm,
0: exists mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i think something that you brought up about um like diet culture and like slim beauty standards standards um i think that like now with the age of photoshop and what's called facetune um a lot of Um, models and specifically Instagram models are using it to they're taking advantage of it and they're using it to contour their bodies in ways that you can't do with a photo um and whilst like I'm not trying to discredit or sort of shame women who do do that because they themselves live in a society that you know that's told them from birth that they're not good enough um but I think so then, then these other Instagram accounts would come around where they would basically expose these models. So they would have like a side by side of the model's picture that she's posted on Instagram where her her jaws like perfectly chiseled, big eyes, big big lips, um, small forehead, um, next to a picture of what she looks like at an award show or just like at a meet and greet. And they look completely different. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily the w- right way to go about it. But I think, do you think I, I was saying that I was telling Elle that I think women who use Facetune should be, we should encourage a, a, a more of an open conversation and destigmatize the um, destigmatize the shame surrounding Facetuning and um, f- yeah, Facetuning, tuning your face, <laughs> <laughs> Facetuning your face, yeah, no, um, around Facetuning. Um, So that we can have more of an open dialogue about it. And young girls can look at a picture and go, well, I know that's not a real body, Mm. but then Elle was sort of came out maybe with a different approach. Like, well, you don't know what is done, how much has been changed. So what do you guys think about that?
2: Yeah, I think there was, there's this um, Instagram model. I think Talani, you follow her. I don't know if anyone else does. Mm. She's, it's like Karina something or other. She does um, photos where she has her... I love her. Yeah, I think that's it. She has, like, her perfect photo. You know, she's in her bikini. Her skin's all soft. She's got, like, a massive bum, you know, that kind of thing. And then in the next photo, she she won't be, like, the perfect beauty standard, you know? And I think it's... Her account is really inspiring because it's showing the difference and it's showing like the comments that people, I mean, the comments that people say about it are really disgusting, but I think she's she's really trying to break the stigma down about it. And I think, um, you know, that obviously, I, I'm not shaming anyone that um, that does face shield and stuff, like you're free to do what you like, it's your post. But um, I think just like learning to love yourself and learning to love your body, is really important and something that girls I feel like should be taught more um, from a young age because, um, like you said, we 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 are kind of like grown up with like the the thought that we should be aiming towards this perfect figure and the like beautiful skin and that's not always the case. So when we see these like amazing models who have changed their photos. Um, I think it's it's really good to see some influencers who are, who are also promoting other side of things. It's like on TikTok, what's her name, CNMA? She started a whole thing. I, I don't know her. what you guys think about her. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people aren't like in favor of it because she's not fat. So a lot of people are quite upset that she was being branded as like a plus size model and like making TikToks about it. I don't know what you guys think about mm-hmm. that.
3: Mm. um i had a i was gonna say um um before we you talk about that but what, about what bella said i think like just hearing what you're talking about i think the misogyny surrounding this is just so incredible yeah. because because women we really can't do anything we wear makeup and it's too much we take off the makeup Mm. and we're too ugly for you we show you Mm. that we've edited our pictures and now we're insecure uh we get plastic surgery so we look better for you or just because we want to feel good ourselves but then it's put back on us because now we are insecure and we're we're conforming to the ideals of society that i think Mm. there's literally no way i i feel that you can be yourself and just be, you know, if you want to be natural. I mean, one example which just shocks me is I don't know if you guys saw Adele's like weight transformation where she went from being quite, you know, plus size beautiful, honestly, gorgeous. And she still is gorgeous now, but she lost some weight very quickly, so I'm not sure how healthy healthily it was done. It was a bit scary for me and I think for a lot of little girls who looked up to her. Um but Mm. Uh, she was getting so many hate comments at her former weight and now today at her weight now she's still getting so many hate comments and and it really just shows you that women unfortunately we can't win we can't be mm. a perfect size even cnma gets hate comments and things that you know sh- she's showing off her body as it is um it, it's really sad because i feel like you know every woman no matter what body it is. It's beautiful. And I really mm-hmm. want to go into medicine. So one thing that whenever I have
1: these conversations, I really try same. to promote... <laughs> oh, my God. You guys want to, <laughs> oh go, and oh to go into feminism and Beth and politics? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so Dream
3: team. Power, power <laughs> dream pa- team. powerful tent. Dream team. And we're all on our periods at the same, same time. time. God, squad, dog. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sisters. It's meant to be... <laughs> but <laughs> I was going to say, like... um One thing I really think is, and I've had these conversations with so many people, is a body, no matter what it looks like, healthy looks different on everyone. Healthy Mm. looks different on everyone. And one example I love to give is, for example, Olympic sumo wrestlers who have a, a high body fat percentage are still extremely healthy and play these incredible fast paced sports just because they are a different size does not mean they are any less healthy mm. than you or i and i i think people seem to think that being this small like uh, and you can't see mm. me everyone but being like <laughs> really really um thin means you are healthy It really really doesn't and i wish people would realize that mm. you can be healthy at any body way mm. you know you don't have mm. to be like really thin to
0: be healthy yeah i th- yeah mm. i completely agree with that i was I'm reading this book well, i'm reading two books but I'm, I'm reading this one book called women who run with wolves and um it in one of the chapters she talks about beauty standards and she talks about how um capitalism has the effect of you know making us feel like our bodies are too skinny i mean not too skinny opposite of that um too wide our hips on an hourglass figure our bums aren't you know peachy enough or oh, we don't have a thigh gap um but then our stomach's not flat our bums need to be big um and she was saying things like, you know, there's so much stigma also around, like, ageing and women, like, lose their value yeah. in their youth and their um, their worth the older they get. And um, you say, like, oh, you used to look so good when you were younger. It's like, well, you still look good now. And um, mm-hmm. it's something I've been trying to work through because, like, I definitely have said it to my mum and other people. And and I need to sort of, like, reflect and how I can sort of rephrase that. But... um. What was I saying? But she, the author was saying, you know, if you have legs that do their job, and I know it's way more simplified and it's not as easy to adhere to this sort of advice, but if you have legs that work and that can transport you around the world, your legs are perfect. You know, like if you have arms that can lift things, if you have hands that can like turn things, they, they work they work like their purposes you know your body parts and and your features have been passed down from your ancestors and they're distinct to you and your line of ancestry and so you know she talks a lot about honoring ancestors and it's more of like a spiritual book but in her eyes like you're just honoring ancestry and um you know humans survived and have co-evolved to be able to get to where we are so appreciating what you have um instead of you Know trying, it's so much harder than that, and I'm completely aware of that. But it's just a nice thought. I sometimes like to think about it's like, no, my body works beautifully every day to keep me alive, I love and capitalism mm. feeds off my insecurities because that's its premise, that's how it works, that's how it thrives. Um, Bella, yeah, like you were
3: mentioning that. about shaving the other day, which I thought was yeah, like a yeah. Definitely. I I don't know
2: if you guys have watched Unjaded Jade ever. She's a YouTuber that I watch sometimes. Um, and she yeah. did a really good video <laughs> on shaving her legs for the first time in like a year or two. I can't really remember. I watched it ages ago. Mm. And she was talking about was like how years. um shaving. Yeah, that is, really? I tell you what, a round of applause to her, cause that is like good for her. Yeah. But um.
1: I do it for like a week and I'm like, wow, feminist icon. <laughs>
2: yeah so um she was talking about how um all of these companies had like profited profited off of um women's insecurities just to get like a money game because they were like going out of business and it just tells you like how much these things really don't matter and now like boys I've had so many debates with boys about like body hair on women because they're just like, oh, it's gross. It's not really meant to like, you know, it's just nicer if it's not there, you know. And I just think like, it's a completely natural thing. And like, I don't know about you, I'm so guilty of doing this. Like if I take an Instagram photo and I will have my armpits in it or my legs in it or something, I will shave before I take that photo because yeah. I I do not feel confident enough to post it all over my social media. And it's, it's really sad because it's just a natural part of being a being a girl, being a woman, and yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Anyway, back to your point. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I was just gonna go back to the shaving thing. Oh, sorry, not the shaving thing, the face tuning thing. <laughs> um, so I did some research on it, and I'm not sure how accurate this is because it was a study commissioned by the phone case retailer Case Twenty Four, but um, but nevertheless. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> nevertheless. Because they said that only 29% of people would post a picture of themselves on social media without editing it first. And that London in particular is the capital mm. of Photoshop, with 81% of people refusing to post a picture without touching it up. Whilst most stick to Instagram's editing tools, 71% 71% of people use Facetune, the editing app that makes reshaping your body terrifyingly easy. And I, I don't, I'm a big believer, I say this like every episode big huge believer in blaming the system and not the individual. So I'm not when I talk about this, yeah. I'm not coming mm, yeah, especially for people that face tune their photos. I've done it in the past. I don't I'm not proud of it and i really it I didn't even do a good job of it editing, honestly. I look absolutely ridiculous. But um it's I I just I do have a slight issue with it because regardless of whether you say you've done it or not, they're still pushing a beauty standard which is completely unattainable. And we've talked about this how before, how beauty standards stem from racism and they stem from fatphobia and they're very like Eurocentric and they're still kind of pushing mm. that ideal. And whether you, um, like even if you know that they facetuned it, they're still being like, this is what I wish I looked like. This is what I look like normally. And yeah. I think that this is a more beautiful version of me. And even if, like, I know that Kylie Jenner face changes her photos. I mean, I know that I've seen her without makeup versus with with makeup, with without versus with makeup on. That doesn't mean that when I see a picture of her, I'm not subconsciously comparing myself to her and making that like the ideal version in my head. And I just, mm. I just feel like it's not the it's not the most productive way to go about it. I think we should work more on loving ourselves as we are and accepting ourselves and take mm. like standing up to mm. the beauty standards that we that've been pushed onto us rather than kind of definitely. P- people pay for these apps so rather than letting people capitalize off of our insecurities as they are already doing so much I feel like that's a more productive way to go mm. about it from a feminist
0: perspective yeah can I something that's completely off topic yeah. I just the reason I like put my hands over my mouth for that like period of time is because I saw Tolly was holding the Holy Grail of the feminist book. I, <laughs> I absolutely loved that Such book. A good it completely book changed. Oh my god! I really oh my god, god yeah, I have that book. <laughs> really that is a Thanks. good book.
2: <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! Brilliant. Really good book. I love it. So that's why
0: I was like, oh my god.
3: Hood <laughs> Feminism by Mickey Kendall, guys. You should all read it. It's a really good book.
2: Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about? Definitely. I feel like
1: um yeah. just to wrap. I feel like the reason that I was so inclined to talk about this on our podcast, apart from your amazing and incredible account, is
0: that present sky. <laughs> I,
1: I feel like disproportionately social media affects women more than men. Mm. Mm-hmm. I 100%. did some research because I'm a statistic queen. And at the beginning, we were like, St- you can find statistics <laughs> if, to back up any point of view. Don't trust statistics. And I'm like, so here's another statistic I found. <laughs> but, um, so 62% of men use social media versus 71% of women. And what I found interesting, 68% of Instagram is a female, and overall 38% of female internet users are on Instagram, compared with 26% of male internet users. So from my research, the gender demographics on social media usage suggests that women use social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat more than men. I'm not going to go into the actual stats, but you can look it up if you want. Um, Men, on the Mm. contrary, use platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter more than women. And I feel like that's quite interesting because Facebook, Snapchat and Instagram are more visual platforms where you can post pictures online or yeah. send pictures to other people. But Twitter and LinkedIn are less focused on visuals and more discussion or communication based. And often they're like where people see news updates and have debates about politics mm. and stuff. But Instagram's more where you'll mm. go to the beach and take a picture of yourself and upload it onto there. I feel like that's quite interesting. Definitely. And also because women's value is inherently based off of our beauty or our aesthetic external appearance I feel like it just affects women a lot more than men not to say that it's not affecting men as well and men don't suffer from social media
3: um, I was going to say Eleanor that one example that I guess comes up a lot I know Beth would probably say in our friendship group is um, people will say you know what do women look for in a man What what does a man look for in a woman and for a lot a lot of girls will say you know height. i personally it doesn't really affect me you know you love someone you love someone but a lot of w- girls will say hi and two i think i'm sure you will have seen all over tiktok the responses are you know we want we want a girl who is completely shaven a mother cooks cleans six figure salary you know perfect eyebrows yes
0: <laughs> like, oh, I love that. Oh. that was ridiculous.
3: <laughs> These things, you know, that a man is looking for, and I think subconsciously you see, you know, um, we will we will post on Snapchat the pictures that we think look the best. So people will comment on them and be like, "Oh my goodness, you're so gorgeous! You you look so great in this picture." And I think a huge thing that, um, I guess my friends have struggled a lot with is male validation and really seeking Mm. like that male validation from posting all the pictures and being on instagram and all that kind of stuff Mm. so it's really interesting to hear that there are you know less men on like certain types of visual social media than there are for Mm. women on visual social media because i think it's a huge factor in our lives i think even my 10 year old sister already has an instagram account a tiktok account Mm. a snapchat snapchat account and and she's so young and is going through all these people's posts clicking through i know that one day she'll probably come to me say can we take an instagram photo i've definitely said that Mm. to my friends at some point so i think it's become like Mm -hmm. an i mean i don't know if it's just for the modern age of technology i feel like it's such Mm. an integral part of our lives like you know you Mm. go like i think someone was saying the other day you go you dress up you go to a location you take that instagram photo that's your day planned out you know yeah
0: (laughs) well anyway um should we wrap it up there yes definitely. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you to both of you. Thank you so much for coming. We've really enjoyed our conversation. It was actually really insightful and really um, eye-opening.
1: It was sure. so lovely to be here, yeah. guys. I love yeah, you, thank you, you. guys us. so Thanks much. Both of you, so much. you so much. Love so much. Thank you so much, coming We, <laughs> you're like so wise. I can't wait to see where you're going to go in the future. Your I can't wisdom. wait for Tolly and Beth Bella to be doctors and for Beth and to be politicians. Yeah. <laughs> you guys yeah. are absolutely
3: incredible. <laughs> All right. this, this podcast is amazing. Okay. It's great.
1: Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank bye, everyone. You. Bye, bye, bye. bye, bye, bye.